the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Just doesn't feel like Christmas. What are some of your reasons for saying that over the years? Now, up until yesterday, <laughs> I recently heard it just doesn't feel like Christmas around here. The ground is all brown. No snow, right? Maybe you think, I missed out on some of my favorite seasonal traditions this year, whether it was making cookies or decorating the house, hearing one of your favorite songs, watching a favorite special, doing something unique that you do every year but just didn't get around to this year. It just doesn't feel like Christmas. Or maybe you think, well, nobody really appreciated my gifts this year. It doesn't feel like Christmas. Or I didn't get what I wanted this year. It doesn't feel like Christmas. I didn't get to see my loved one. It really made me sad. It just doesn't feel like Christmas. Now, yes, brothers and sisters in Christ, we can and should appreciate and give thanks for food and family and gifts, the music, the lights, the decorations. But Christmas will always be Christmas because we have Jesus. We have Emmanuel, God with us, thanks be to God. And Christmas doesn't depend on how we feel about it. It depends on what God has done to make Christmas come. And what is that? Well, the Apostle John is here to tell you a wonderful Christmas message. And the word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us, and we have seen his glory. I know, I know, it's not Luke chapter 2, like you heard on Christmas Eve. So let's unpack it. Let's unpack it, shall we? So what does John mean by the word, the logos? Well, it's like it sounds. It's a tangible expression through speech that reveals what someone is thinking. It's reason, it's meaning, it's wisdom, it's instruction, it's principle, it's all these things. And what is the source of the word that John is talking about? He tells us that too. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So the word, let's make clear, is God. And that means the word is is all things that God is, namely eternal, without beginning or end, unchangeable, all-powerful, all-knowing, present everywhere, holy, just, faithful, good, merciful, gracious, loving. What a wonderful thing this word is. And what did this word do? John tells us that too. All things. All things. Everything was made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made, right? So there's no doubt here. And then John goes on and says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That means that anything and everything has life only through him. 
that everything and anything only has life in their being through the word. And yes, God uses natural processes to preserve species. But he still has a hand in shaping and forming each one of his creatures. But God is also the light of men. And what is life without the light of God? Consider this. Those who do not have the light of God cannot truly comprehend the meaning of life. Namely, to be in communion with him. If we don't have God's word to tell us that life is all about God dwelling among us and with us and in us, life is dark. It's dark indeed. But the good news is, it's Christmas. And you do have God's word. And John uses two words that describe that word beyond what we've already discussed about God and his nature. And those two words are grace and truth. Let's tackle them in reverse order, shall we? Because they are great gifts. Truth is the way things really are. Truth answers all the world's questions with definitive answers. No waffling, no unknowns, no maybes. God's word is full of truth and God's word is truth. Without error, without falsehood. There's not my truth and your truth. There is just truth, one truth, and truth comes from God's very nature. And because God has created all things, can do all things, knows all things, is over and above all things, and because God is good and gracious, he can and he does speak truth. Always. God means what he says and he says what he means. He doesn't mislead you. He doesn't give you false hope. He doesn't speak things that could happen or might happen. He speaks things that do happen or will happen or has happened. And he is never, ever, ever wrong. So that means that we should listen, right? And when we listen, we hear something that lightens and enlightens our hearts and our minds because God's word, God himself, is also full of grace. And grace doesn't mean just letting things slip. It means God's undeserved favor and God's undeserved kindness for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ in the face of some serious deficiencies on the part of those receiving that grace. Grace is not something that you merit. Grace is not something that you earn. Grace is something that you simply receive because God freely gives it to you out of his holy, just, faithful, good, gracious, and merciful love to those who do not deserve it. Now comes the million-dollar question. And the question itself is remarkable. Who can we really trust to tell us about God. Who can answer all of our questions with absolute certainty? And the answer, of course, is the one we are all here to celebrate this morning, our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Word of God incarnate. And the Word became flesh 
and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Why should you believe this word? Why should we trust Jesus? I just explained a lot of it. But John gives us another reason. And so he expands on this. No one has ever seen God, he says, right? God is always veiled. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Again, remember what John said at the very beginning of his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word of God has been, and the Word of God has always will be, and the Word of God has never lived apart from the Father. It has been at his side for all time. So who would know the best to speak of things of God other than the one who is who is God and with God, always has been, always will be. Let me give you an example, just to kind of bring it down to earth for a minute. We're talking about pretty heavenly things. I think most of you know that it has been my dream to, at some point in my life, visit the Holy Land. And if I ever go, who am I going to follow? Who's going to take me there? Well, I've already made up my mind. I don't know if any of you know Pastor Nabil Noor. He is the fourth vice president of the LCMS. He's pastor at Trinity Lutheran Church in Sioux Falls. And you might say, well, why him? Uh, he grew up in Nazareth. He grew up in Nazareth. Pastor Noor has traveled there. So, of course, he knows the he knows. Uh, the Holy Land intimately. He lived there, grew up there. And not just in the past, right? Well, maybe he knows it from a long time ago, from his childhood. Things have changed. Yes, that's true. But Pastor Noor has traveled there several times with tour groups in tow. Everybody always comes back, by the way. We trust those who truly know how things are. The Word is God has been with God, and now makes God known to us. In a world competing for truth, nothing comes close to Jesus. Nothing. There are many who people follow, thinking that they have truth, right? The thing is, and I don't know who said this, but it's interesting. Buddha never claimed to be God. Moses never claimed to be Yahweh. Mohammed never claimed to be Allah. Yet, Christ Jesus claims to be the true and living God. Buddha simply said, I am a teacher in search of the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Confucius said, I never claimed to be holy. Jesus said, who convicts me of sin? Muhammad said, unless God throws his cloak of mercy over me, I have no hope. Jesus said, unless you believe in me, you will die 
in your sins. Jesus knows about God. Jesus knows about truth. Jesus knows about grace. Jesus himself makes the good testimony that he himself came to testify, was born to testify to the truth. You know who he tells that to? For this reason I have come into the world. And you guess and you say, what's he going to say? What's he going to say? And the answer is uh, to bear witness to the truth. Who does he say it to? He says it to Pilate. Who even though he doesn't want to crucify Jesus, hands him over to sinful men. And this is all according to plan. So Jesus can be lifted up on the cross and draw all people to himself. So Jesus, through Jesus, people can have the forgiveness of sins. Through Jesus, all people can receive grace upon grace upon grace. So why should we trust John and his word? Well, John is uniquely qualified to speak about who Jesus is and what Jesus did. I'm sure you all know that John is one of Christ's inner three, one of the twelve apostles, right? One of the inner inner three, witnessing the full gamut of Christ's earthly ministry. From the time of his baptism until our Lord was taken into heaven, ascended into heaven. So John heard the voice from heaven at Christ's baptism. John saw Christ cure the lame, heal the sick, restore sight to the blind. John saw Christ walk on water, calm the storm, miraculously feed crowds, and raise the dead. John saw Christ speaking with Moses and Elijah, who spoke of his exodus, his departure, his suffering and death, and victory over those things. At that transfiguration, he saw Jesus before him shining like the sun. And most of all, John, the apostle whom Jesus loved, saw Jesus suffer and die on a cross. He was right there. Right there. The others might have hid, but John was there. And he saw the whole thing. John was among the first to see Jesus risen from the dead on numerous occasions. And yes, John was among those who saw the Lord ascend into heaven and beheld his glory. Well, we've got to talk about that word, glory. What does it really mean? It might not mean what you think. What it really means is God dwelling with his people in a tangible way. And the Lord manifested himself in such a way, in a continuous way, well, in in such a way on several occasions, but there are certain ways he did it in a continuous manner, right? Numerous times. He did so with Israel, as we've discussed for the last couple of weeks, from the time of the Exodus, as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. His glory filled the tabernacle, and of course it's got to be veiled, you can't behold the glory of the Lord. But it filled the tabernacle, the movable church, and later fills the temple until it's destroyed by the Babylonians. But that's just a glimpse. That's just a glimpse of something greater to come. Something that John experienced firsthand. Jesus came and dwelled among us 
as the God-man. John saw his glory, and John shares the historical narrative. I don't want to say story, because it sounds like a bedtime fable. But he does give us Christ's story, his historical narrative. And he wants you to know that Jesus is God's word. Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus tells you what you need to know. And he doesn't lie, and he doesn't exaggerate, and he doesn't lead you astray. John wants you to know that when Jesus speaks, we should listen. And then when Jesus speaks, his word accomplishes God's purpose. He spends the first chapter of his gospel telling us this. And he spends the rest of his gospel showing us this. Trust Jesus. Trust him. That's all and well and good, you might say. John saw the glory of Jesus. I don't get that luxury. You know, some days it just doesn't feel like Jesus is with us at all. Well, that's why John spends so much time writing as he did. Because again, it doesn't depend on what we feel. It depends on what God did and what God is doing. And God gave us Jesus. God works faith in you. Despite what you feel, God gives you his word. His word full of grace and truth. God gives you his son full of grace and truth. I know that some do not see Jesus as more than anything but another teacher, just another religious leader. That is not John's witness. Jesus is most certainly... The true light. I like what they did here. If you, if you follow this, this is very creative. So they highlight certain letters from John chapter 1. Uh, I was made to be his child. I thought that was interesting. That is not John's witness. Jesus is most certainly the light. Right? The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him. Who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood. Nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. One day you will know the word made flesh in his fullness. In the meantime, John wants you to know that you don't know it all quite yet. But he tells you this. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. And he means his gospel. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Of course, of course. What else should we expect from God himself in the flesh? Full of truth and grace and light and life. Dear friends, it may not always feel like Christmas. 
But that doesn't stop Christmas from coming. You have Emmanuel, God with us. And isn't that what Christmas is all about? We have and will always have Jesus. And that means we have and will always have Christmas. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.